Hi, I'm Brenna Ardron, and you're listening to For Your Healing Pleasure. This life can be rocky, which makes healing a big part of it. I started this podcast as a space to explore all that promotes healing. Through the voices of guests, healers, and thought leaders, I hope you gain bits of inspiration for your own healing journey. I believe together we can heal. So without further ado, for your healing pleasure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to For Your Healing Pleasure. Today, we have my friend, Cora Vasserman. She's a fellow um, breathwork meditation facilitator and energy healer. And Cora, do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Um, yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Cora, and I am a breathwork facilitator and guide. I like to um, work one-on-one, both personally, in person and virtually. And I also um, lead groups uh, in person here in LA. I'm based in Los Angeles and virtually. Um, I've been doing this for about two years and I met Brenna right at the beginning of my journey as a facilitator. Um, And we've kind of been connected this whole time. So it's really been such a pleasure to kind of connect at every level both of our journeys. And I'm so happy and proud of you for um, taking this step to do this podcast. And I'm really, really excited to be here today. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's really cool about our journeys um, in this work together is me and Cora met um, on David Elliott's virtual training that was at the start, pretty much at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really, um, it was a really interesting training. I enjoyed it, but it was a different medium for all of us. It was held over Zoom. He had never done a virtual training before. Um, I had never, I'd done breathwork before and Cora had as well, but I'd never um, done it really virtually. And um, then me and Cora started training sessions back and forth after finishing that training. And um, so we've kind of been able to see each other evolve through uh, our facilitation process and our businesses. And it's been a really beautiful process. Um, so I'd love to ask you what your like how you were exposed to breathwork, what your journey with breathwork just as a medium was, and then your journey to facilitating and eventually opening your own breathwork practice. Yeah. So um, I found breathwork kind of by accident. I mean, something that uh, my whole journey with my own personal experience with breathwork and using it as kind of a healing modality and then um, opening my business and starting my own practice with it has been really fluid as I feel like you can attest to. I I have to admit that I haven't planned a lot of it. I don't really, when I, even when I do try to think ahead about how I want things to develop and how I want them to go, it rarely ends up that way. So um that can be a little scary, but that's kind of the way that um, everything has unfolded. And it's been like that since the beginning Um, because I found breathwork pretty soon after I graduated college. And I was kind of in that like 
um, early 20s existential <laughs> funk. I call it um, the terrible twos because I feel like it's like um, being a toddler again, but in adulthood. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. And I mean, every time I, I think about it, it's like, it's so funny to think about like how much existential like dread I was carrying around as like a 22 year old. Like I felt like I really had to have all of my life figured out, everything together. Every time anybody asked me about like what I was doing, it like would paralyze me with fear. And it's like now when I talk to people who are graduating college or, you know, just out of college, I'm like, oh my God, like I have no expectations of them for that. So it's so funny that I, I held that for myself, that I thought that that's, you know, what was expected to me or uh, what was expected of me or like what people, you know, were thinking. But um, anyway, so I, um, just a brief background. When I was in college, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. Like since uh, I was a really little girl, I kind of wanted to work with the body. And I even remember like when I was really young, my mom would get sinus headaches and I would like put my hands on her face and kind of do this little Reiki practice on her and help her with her sinus headaches. So there's like a lot of early memories of kind of this fascination with the body and, and healing. And so um, that manifested as wanting to go to medical school because I didn't have anybody in my life who was kind of a model of healing besides Western medicine. So that was how I, um, thought you got into that work. So I studied, uh, to be a doctor. I was pre-med, uh, in my undergraduate Mm -hmm. and pretty early on, I was like, this is not going to work. This is not for me. (laughs) I kind of like stuck with it um, because, you know, you do get so much validation and so much kind of praise. And, you know, there was a part of me that it's like, well, it feels good to just kind of be on a path, whatever that is. And this was a very like rigid path. So I kind of could at least, you know, feel calm about what the future was going to look like, but more and more it just, um, became clear that I really wasn't going to be happy or successful or, um, passionate if this was the way I continued. So, um, so I left the pre-med track after like two and a half years and that kind of started this existential funk period of my life, um, kind of halfway through college and then out of college of, okay, so I, I'm not going to go to medical school. I'm not going to be a doctor. So I have to abandon that vision and um, find something else. And uh, I really had a hard time with this. I tried a bunch of different things and changed my major a bunch um, and nothing really fit. And so I graduated and I got this like office job in New York and had a really hard time, you know, just getting up in the morning every day to go to work. It just... I was a really bad office employee and I didn't, um, I didn't feel excited. I didn't feel like I had a sense of where my future was going. I was kind of in that. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I was like, I'm going to go to law school later. (laughs) (laughs) Just like trying to, well, I think that there's like this franticness. I've been in Mm -hmm. a, a similar place of like, uh, I feel like it can be really, really disorienting when you feel so sure that you want to do something and then Mm -hmm. you realize like you have these little signposts that like, "Mm, this might not be the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to even admit to yourself like, 
Mm -hmm. oh, this is something that I can't be doing because it's just not right for me. It's not feeling like a fit. But not Mm -hmm. knowing what you don't want to do is not knowing what you want to do. And Mm -hmm. when you're lost in that and like – and then – also depending on what space you're in oftentimes people will try will try to help you with it so they're like why don't you you know do yeah be why a don't social you worker yeah, exactly. be a <laughs> yeah. why don't you find some other yeah. prescriptive path um exactly yeah. yeah and also like I mean for me personally I kind of come from a very um academic background like I went to schools and institutions my entire life up until that point that were very like highly regarded and um, put a lot of emphasis on being um, just a very ambitious and um, uh, successful person and, you know, had a kind of, in my opinion, narrow definition of what that could look like. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a lot of people in my life who were kind of doing alternative. uh, And I say alternative, like with quotes, because what does that really mean? But, you know, alternative from that kind of like highly ambitious, normal institutional path. Um, I didn't know a lot of people who were doing that with their lives. So um, when you add, you know, all of the validation that I was getting when I was pre-med, because everybody was like, that's so amazing. You know, you're, that's great. And then I kind of lost that. And that um, was a difficult time. And so in that time, I also got to um, study abroad in Beijing. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was there, which was a huge culture shock and and a really, really important experience for me for a lot of reasons. But um, one thing that I credit it for is I was randomly, like really without any um, active input from me, I was studying traditional Chinese medicine. Um, And so I got exposed to... um, acupuncture and um, all of these modalities that uh, traditional Chinese medicine system uses. And more than anything, it just kind of taught me that alternative frameworks of medicine exist um, and that they're valid and that um, people make careers out of them and that there um, is something about them that really was drawing me in. Mm -hmm. So that was a beautiful experience. Um, and I held on to it for a long time and I began like using acupuncture kind of as my first introduction to like my own personal healing journey. So I was going to this acupuncturist and really just unloading so much. Like I was kind of asking her to be like my Reiki person, my acupuncturist, my therapist, like I didn't really have any, um, outlets for any of that. And so I just thought that she was going to be able to like do all of this work. And she did a really amazing job, but (laughs) just looking back on it, it was funny what I was expecting out of her. But um, that was kind of my slow introduction. And it, you know, it wasn't so slow, but for me, it felt like it was kind of piecemeal introduction to just the world of energy medicine and the world of um, more integrative medicine and Eastern medicine. And um, so this was all while I was working at this job, but made me really miserable and um, really just wasn't for me. I was not good at it. (laughs) And um, so during that time, uh, I started like becoming a seeker, I would say, you know, like reading um, lots of books about spirituality and psychedelics and um, uh, healing and um, just kind of throwing myself into that world in the time that I did have in my free time and, you know, going to acupuncture and, you know, getting more into yoga and stuff like that. And so during that time, 
um, I, a yoga studio opened up near my house and I was just like, oh, I want to see if like, I should get a membership here. And so I wanted to try something they were doing and they had a workshop that was like a cacao ceremony. And I was like, yeah, let's try that. So I go after work to this cacao ceremony and, um, we also end up doing breath work. Mm -hmm. And up until that time, it was the most powerful experience I had ever had. And it kind of quickly made me realize that everything that I had been reading about and studying and interested in, you know, is not something you can really read about. It's something that you have to experience yourself. And that up until that point, I really hadn't ever been fully present, maybe not since I was a very young child. I was always living partially in the past and partially in the future and giving a very small percentage of my energy and awareness to the present moment. And this experience with breathwork for the first time brought me into complete presence. And um, it was a completely transformative and mystical experience. And I had this vision of um, a spider building a web and this the kind of download that came from that was that um, up until that point, I had just been around cheetahs because <laughs> I also was shown like a cheetah chasing after its prey. Mm -hmm. And so up until that point, I had only been around cheetahs and all of my role models and everybody was a cheetah. And what that means is if they see something that they want, if they can just like run fast enough, they can get it. Yeah. But I wasn't a cheetah. I was a spider. And a spider, if they tried to chase a fly, they would never get it. But a spider just builds a web, not really knowing why or what it's doing or what it's like goals are, um, but just because it's what it feels like doing. And then the gifts come and the the flies and all of the, the abundance kind of comes after that. So I kind of, from that vision, was able to get a lot of peace and clarity into you know, how everything was unfolding for me and what my life was going to be like. And I stopped putting so much pressure on myself to like not be lazy and, and push myself and try to, you know, force myself to do things in the way that I saw other people doing it. Um, and so that allowed me to kind of go down this path where um, I started going to school for acupuncture and massage um, and then obviously continued working with breath work personally um, as a healing tool and as a tool to kind of continue this journey um, and working with other uh, plant medicines too. So that's kind of how I got into, um, my own journey with breath work, yeah. uh, long-winded story. <laughs> no, I mean, that's so interesting to hear. And it's, I always love hearing about people's first breath work experiences because, um, I do think that, um, for most people that are facilitators, <laughs> there's some level of like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? Like, there's some big, like, breakthrough that happens. Mm -hmm. I love that image of the spider as well. Um, and I feel like this is a good time. If you're comfortable to share, like, maybe what your sun, moon, and rising is in astrology mm -hmm. and your human design stuff as well. Um, because, I don't know, I think that, um, well, I know that you're a manifesting generator, and I think that like that web picture for some reason of like kind of responding and building, but not like uh, being the person that's like um, initiating as much as like a really beautiful picture. And I think um, 
I don't know, makes me feel very seen because I think that sometimes <laughs> uh, being an MG, it can be very frustrating when you're like, I don't know why I'm doing a I'm doing a deep dive on this or I don't know why I'm like so curious about this that it's like taking over my whole life in this moment. Um, but that building a web picture is really beautiful. But yeah, sun, moon, mm-hmm. rising and then human design. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my sun, moon, and rising, I'm an Aquarius sun. Surprise. (laughs) And when's your birthday again? It's coming up. My birthday is, no, it just happened. It's January 28th. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Happy belated. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So I'm an Aquarius sun, which I've always loved. I love being an Aquarius. I always think it's like the best sign. (laughs) I think that um, I really, really identify with it and, you know, always have in different ways. And it's just such a beautiful kind of forward thinking, ethereal energy that um, I just attribute a lot to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my moon is Capricorn, which really helps me get things done (laughs) and helps me, you know, stay on this planet because it's easy for me to kind of um, go off for a long time. And the Capricorn moon is like, I need routine. I need a stable home. I need all, all I need, you know, I need to figure out money and stuff like that. So yeah. um, for a while I was kind of butting heads with the Capricorn moon. It, it sort of presented itself as like obsessiveness and kind of this like weird relationship with perfection and routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to use it more to my advantage rather than kind of fight with it. And then my rising is Scorpio, which I also really love. Um, (laughs) I I just think that it kind of gives me that like magnetism, but also, um, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my like love of shadow work and kind of really getting to the root of things, um, early on, uh, to that. And I think that it, it kind of really helps me in my career. Yeah. Um, so that's my chart. Um, honestly, I don't know. I still like haven't dove into human design too much. I mean, we've talked about it and I've talked yeah. about it, obviously, you know, I have a lot of people around me who are really into human design, but I haven't, I haven't like gotten a reading. Um, I've looked at my chart a few times, but, um, I really don't know too much about my human design. Yeah. All I know, I yeah, I think that you're a manifesting generator, right? I think I'm either a manifesting generator or a generator. But yeah, I'm not sure which one. I forget which one, but I know that yeah, you're one of those. Um, and I something forget. like sacral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something sacral. And then I forget what your mm-hmm. profile is. I can't remember if you're also a five one like me, but mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because I'm a, an Aquarius Sun as well, but I'm a Taurus Moon and a Cancer Rising, so we have that like same, you know, earth sign, moon, and then water. Yeah, very balanced charts, honestly. Yeah. In some ways, my chart, like, (laughs) it's like, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But um, (laughs) yeah, I I think that I I love when people share that stuff, because I think it provides a little bit more context sometimes to um, their story and the way that their path is unfolding. But I want to segue more into – so that was like the um, 
your approach to breathwork or like discovering breathwork. And then mm-hmm. what did your decision look like to then train to facilitate? And yeah. Yeah. That piece. Yeah. So um, once I, so post that first breathwork experience, um, I kind of just gave myself the freedom to dive in um, to this world in general. So like I briefly said, I um, started going to graduate school for acupuncture and massage. Um, and so once I started that, I was kind of like, okay, like I am going to, you know, that original vision of doing medicine work in some way is, was correct, was accurate. Um, I don't need to abandon that. It's just not going to look like traditional Western medicine. Um, so, and I think that I needed to kind of start like institutionally and we've talked about this before, but I feel like I'm like a recovering academic high achieving person. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I, I, I felt at the time that it was like this huge decision and huge departure, um, from like what I had been doing before, but, um, now looking back, I'm like, it's funny that I even like thought I needed to go to school in the first place. Um, but it was like a nice way. It was kind of like a bridge, you know what I mean? Because I had an easy answer for when people were at, like family members were asking me, what are you doing with your life? Um, and like, I, I could feel like secure in a path, but there was also so much like new and so much exploration and so much kind of related to the schoolwork that I was doing that it, it started me on kind of this journey of, you know, not, not just being like a student in a classroom mm-hmm. um, and not, you know, working in such a um, kind of top down way. Um, so when I was doing that, it was easy to kind of feel that, you know, my future self was going to be a practitioner working with clients, um, doing healing work uh, in different ways. And I really resonated with a lot of the philosophy and fundamental um, energetics of Chinese medicine. And it was just so beautiful to kind of really throw yourself into a completely different medical paradigm than what I had been learning um, in undergrad. Same with massage, like just learning how to actually hold space with like a physical body right in front of you and um, ground yourself enough to be able to touch them and, and, you know, work with your hands in a way where you're not kind of ungrounded or nervous um, was really, really important for me and kind of foundational for me to be able to do what I'm doing now. I, I, I constantly think that I enrolled in that and was doing those classes because it's like day one, you know, you're like, getting naked on the table with your classmates and, and <laughs> practicing on each other. And so that was just um, such a great, uh, a great introduction to kind of holding space for me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, all that time I had been working, like I said, personally with breath work and using it to heal a lot of emotional energy that I had been holding on to that um, and, and kind of heal that and work through that um, and kind of, introduce myself to meditation and introduce myself to my spiritual side, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun and beautiful and nourishing. And so pretty early on, I was like, breathwork's going to be a part of uh, whatever practice I do have. Um, because it had just helped me so much that I was like, people, everybody needs to know about this. You know, yeah. it's kind of crazy that, that uh, I didn't know about it until I did, um, because this was such a powerful, pivotal tool for me. So um, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to do the training um, 
and David Elliott was who all the people that I had worked with were trained by. So it kind of just seemed natural. And it's funny because I had signed up for so many of his like in-person trainings. They're like five days or something. And you go to New Mexico to, to work with him in a group. And I was like always really excited about it, but something would happen where like my exam schedule with this acupuncture school wouldn't line up. And I would, I just kept pushing it back. Like I kept being like, Oh, well, I can't make this one. Can you reserve me a, sl- a slot in the next one? And he'd be like, sure. Can't wait to <laughs> see you, you finally. finally yeah. And then, <laughs> and then um, everything shut down and it was the pandemic. And you know, my school went completely online, which is, I mean, for me, it was kind of comical taking massage classes on Zoom. (laughs) Um, And so I I had to do that. I finally had time to do the training, but I did it online. Um, And with that, I mean, there's a part of me that kind of like mourns that I didn't get to do it in person, um, which I eventually did another yeah, training did. with him in person. Yeah. yeah. But um, I was sad at that time that my first training wasn't in person, but um, it kind of happened in the perfect sequence yeah. because then af- right after I got trained, it was in the middle of the pandemic, but like early pandemic when people were still really, I mean, not to say that people aren't still carrying around a lot of stress and kind of staying at home but it was much more than it this is right like now April and April or May 2020 yeah so like the environment yeah. was very different <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and so you know I had just been trained and I was like I want to start practicing and all of my friends were like sure like I'm free I'm stuck at home I want to try something new and it became this really beautiful um tool to share. And I was, you know, like in the beginning, I wasn't really charging anyone. And I was just kind of uh, getting my hours in and and practicing. And it was all virtual, um, obviously. And then um, during the George Floyd protests, um, you know, a bunch of people were on Instagram kind of doing different fundraisers and stuff like that. And I was like, I finally have something to offer. Like I finally have something to exchange for. So that's how I kind of started my practice was because I would do in exchange for like a donation. um, I would do a a session with people and there was a lot of interest and hunger. And obviously, you know, when it's for charity, it's kind of easy to, to try something new. So that's how I got started and how I um, started kind of building my clients out. Um, And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a similar story of like practicing after that time. And I, I wonder how you feel about like, um, obviously training virtually was odd. And, um, I think that there's a lot of, since then, both me and Cora have done in-person breathwork trainings as well. And, um, and I think that, there's there's nothing quite like being in person with people um with this medium but that being said i'm i'm grateful for my virtual training as well because i don't know that i would have practiced as much virtually um if i had only done in person training i think i would have like felt like there's more separation between like you know acting virtually versus in person um 
And I'd love to hear from you about like what you feel about like your relationship with virtual versus in person Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and like how you feel about that, how maybe that's shifted or changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed a lot and been kind of up and down over the past two or so years. But um, I mean, when I started, I was really grateful for it. And something that like our training taught me, and I guess this isn't completely true, but, you know, I hadn't really practiced like on my own um, before our training. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would go to breathwork groups a lot and even like do virtual breathwork groups throughout the pandemic. But, um, I didn't really have a personal practice with breathwork before our training because I didn't, (laughs) didn't really feel like I could, like, I was like, this needs to be like proctored or like, you know, it felt like something that, that I couldn't do by myself Mm -hmm. and doing that training virtually, where obviously we were supported by David, but um, we were also in our own space and kind of taking care of ourselves. Um, It showed me that that was possible. And then I began kind of, you know, just doing like quick practices in the morning or like as needed longer practices by myself, um, just with music that I liked or with some like guided meditations or something like that. But um, that was actually really pivotal for me. Um, So I'm grateful to, I think like, doing that training virtually showed me that because, um, you know, there's so much to work in person and in a group and the energy is amazing there, but it's also really nice to say, like, I don't need to go to a studio. I don't need anything except myself and a bit of time and I can get the benefits from this practice, which is ultimately what I'm always trying to share when I share this work is like, there's so many ways to use this tool and it's an amazing tool, but it's the most intrinsic tool we have. You know, we always have access to our breath. Therefore there's always this source of support. So when we really feel like we can do it on our own, in our own time as needed, that's when we can really start to unlock the like empowerment that comes from breath work. So ultimately I'm so grateful to the virtual practices. And I, I mean, I think during the pandemic, it was like life-saving for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But um, now I'm so grateful to be working in person as well. And I think as a facilitator, like it's so much more fun. Um, I I don't want to say that one is better than the other as a practitioner, because I mean, as a, you know, the person breathing, there's kind of benefits to both and it depends on what you need that day. But as a facilitator, I so enjoy just like being in a room with people, whether it's a group or one-on-one, it's just um, really, really fun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it's interesting like what you say about the, um, the virtual training really like preparing uh, like kind of forcing you into preparing your space for your personal practice. Cause, um, I, I was similar in that I was mostly doing breath work at a studio. Um, and I still really enjoy when I have the opportunity to going someplace else separate from my home to do breath work mm-hmm. because, um, you know, a lot of times in these other spaces, um, 
you feel more free to like yell or scream or laugh or whatever. Um, and then you might in your like your home space or your physical space um, or like in a space that you're more familiar with, I should say. Yeah. Or like there's just like weird stuff like um, like you can hear like the mail being dropped off or like, you know, <laughs> like the other people in your space like yeah. making dinner, like breakfast. Um so it's sometimes a little bit um, harder to like fully tap out. But I, I do think that like it's important to with these practices to really make them accessible. And part of making them accessible is that you can do them virtually anywhere. Um, and there are tools to kind of create a meditation studio or a meditation space in your mm -hmm. own bedroom. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. But yeah, the in-person, um, just the energy that flows it is, yeah, I don't know that it's different. It's just like, but I guess it is different. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm negotiating my relationship with that too. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it changes on the day. Sometimes you'll totally. have like a really powerful virtual session and you're like, you know, um, but right now, just because I, we didn't get to do it for so long, right now I'm really having a lot of fun with in-person yeah. groups and, and um, in-person work. So Yeah. And um, getting into like your personal practice, starting your breathwork business, mm -hmm. um, and then um, building up your clientele and kind of seeing how that work has transitioned and flowed. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that you've like started to get into using sound bowls in your work as well. So I'd love to kind of touch on what that process has looked like for you and that flow of entrepreneurship and healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's really difficult. <laughs> um, it's, it's really difficult because um, I've just had to meet so many of my edges mm -hmm. so quickly and also like alone. Um, so I'm grateful to it because it's, you know, starting my own business has been a really, really wonderful teacher and a really wonderful um, instigator of some deep shadow work. Mm -hmm. um, but it it's been hard because, you know, my biggest obstacle, I guess, is just like myself and my own belief in myself and what's possible for me. And so um, you really learn early on that like starting your own business is just like an inside job. It's kind of whether or not you have enough internal um, belief in yourself and internal self-worth to be able to kind of uh, keep at it. Um, and I mean, there's also, you know, what your offering is and what, what that's about and how it's going to resonate with people. But for me, um, you know, the working part was easy and doing the sessions and, and kind of facilitating maybe it was a little hard the first few times, you know, like I'd get nervous and I was like, what am I supposed to say? Is this going to work? But that self-doubt and that difficulty evaporated very, very early on. And it became a really, really natural thing for me. Um, but putting myself out there, marketing, kind of um, selling myself and, and charging uh, has all a really, really difficult journey for me. And um, it's also been an interesting journey because it's been hard to 
even like um, accept progress and like be proud of myself for where I've come because uh, there's this sense of, you know, there's nobody else like validating what you're doing and there's no real goal. It's just kind of like, oh, let's just keep going. Yeah. And so um, being able to like create little goals for myself and be proud of myself when I pass them has been really important too, to kind of like check in with my progress and really notice like, well, none of this stuff was happening three months ago. Or Okay, sorry, I'll start again. Um, all right, so we had a little technical difficulty. Um, that's what I get for recording in Mercury and Retrograde, but we're back now. Um, basically what I was saying is um, just the importance of this work um, that Cora is doing of really encouraging people to um, work through whatever blocks and like bring things up through the throat chakra um, is really important to opening up that space so that people can actually bring what their um, dreams are like it for manifesting for um, speaking your truth for knowing your truth it's super super important um, so yeah, I guess in doing that work with people in session, what have you noticed or from clients that you've worked with um, and doing the working with the bowls and with sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really like um, kind of co-creative process with me along with my clients, So, uh, which I really love. Like I've kind of been learning as I've been teaching this and, and working with them. Um, and the first thing is, I mean, that it is a really innate capacity of all of us, like, you know, harmonizing and using the voice and kind of um, finding pitches and using the, the voice as a, a healing tool, like using vibration to really move stuck energy is something that actually is very natural to most people. Um, we just have no uh, experience with it usually. Even people who like are professional singers or have done a lot of singing, like they don't really, there's not a lot of practice in, in this type of singing. And so, um, so that's been a really beautiful kind of learning that um, all we need is just like a little guidance and a little prodding and kind of um, something to kind of kickstart and, and get us back in touch with that innate ability that we all have. And then people just kind of go crazy. And so it's so beautiful to watch and to be a, a part of and to participate with them um, because uh, I really don't have to do that much. You know, I just kind of have to get the ball rolling. Um, and then also I think what's really What's really beautiful is um, something that I've learned that is that that kind of wound of perfectionism and that silencing that we all do around the throat is pretty universal. Um, it's so it's so hardwired into most of us that, um, you know, we can't create until we have the perfect thing. And that's just such a like self-defeating um mechanism you know it just kind of stops us before we can even get started we say like well until this is something that I, you know I can sell to other people or until this is something that is going to be universally really valued and loved I shouldn't put anything out there until it's that and so that's really where or how I kind of use this work um 
it's an example of how it's not just about singing and it's not just about uh, using the voice. This is about putting any of our creations into uh, the physical world and kind of really getting into that creative flow is, you know, cause maybe for some people it's not about singing, but doing this work can help them get started on a book that they want to write or, you know, paint or any kind of creation, even starting a business or something, you know, that doesn't seem as creative, that is all throat chakra energy, right? Like bringing our creations into the world. And so we need to be in that space of play and that space of creation and that place of um, freedom from that perfectionist energy and say like, I'm just doing this to explore and tap into my creative energy. I'm not doing this for anybody else or to, to make something for somebody else. And that's where our most beautiful creations are always going to come from. So really seeing that that wound is really universal and that the way around it is just by kind of burning through that, that fear and that silencing and that insecurity um, has been a really beautiful learning for me. And it's something that doing the work myself, doing the vocal activation myself has helped me a lot with putting myself out there and putting my offerings out there because also like I hate singing. I don't want to sing in front of people, but, but I do it anyway. So, um, so it's been one of those really beautiful things where I kind of get to learn alongside my clients and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I love that. And I also love that your arrival at that was, um, not only in response to what you were seeing in session, but just like, like exploring a curiosity of like, Oh, I'm seeing this. And I like want to help guide people in this more. Um, And I don't know. I just think that's a really beautiful approach to like opening up offerings or like um, seeing how your offerings flow within your business. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about um, something that you've been doing more of more recently too. And I mean, really throughout the, um, you know, the start of your business, but um, doing more group work and group sessions Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. that has looked like for you, what that has felt like for you, if that's shifted at all. Um, Yeah. 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 So group work has been like somewhat of a recent um, development for me. I mean, I did a few virtual groups early on in my practice, um, but recently I've had the opportunity to do some bigger in-person groups. And it's also just been a huge learning for me and a huge, um, there's just been so many lessons in it that I kind of take um, into daily life and, and new learnings about breath work in general. So I've been really, really grateful. Um, and first of all, I mean, it's so fun. Like, it's so yeah. fun to be uh, with a room full of people, you know, especially to be there at every part of the journey and kind of see how everyone is when they walk in the room and how they talk when they introduce themselves and, um, you know, what they kind of come into the space with. Uh, and then to see them obviously in the portal of breathwork and in the experience and kind of be with them in that place. Uh, and then to be together on the other side too, and kind of see like how things have shifted and how things have changed and, you know, how we can kind of interact with so much more ease and so much more of an open heart. Um, so that's really powerful, uh, as a facilitator to get to be a part of that and and feel that. Um, and another like, 
reason why I've been really passionate about the group work recently is because um, I feel like it's a little undervalued, um, like both in our culture um, traditionally, but also even in like the uh, holistic wellness space, I think so as well. I kind of feel like um, it's sometimes thought of as like just the cheaper alternative to private work. So it's like, if you can't afford that, or, you know, you can't always afford that, then you go to groups instead. And I mean, that's kind of sometimes how I thought about breathwork groups when I was first, you know, going to them, I was like, well, I would love to do private stuff, but I can't afford it. So I'm going to go to these groups. Um, and I think that's also kind of a cultural thing that we have too, you know, um, with our Western medicine system as well, like healing and, and medical stuff is thought of as a really individual journey and meant to be really private. And, you know, we have like HIPAA laws and, and, um, all like, therapy, you know, stuff is really, really private and meant to be, um, kind of hidden, you know, it's like inappropriate to talk about and ask people about their healing journey and stuff like that. So, um, that's something that I've been really interested in kind of like exploring and come combating a little bit with breathwork groups, because I actually think that healing in community and healing with others is, um, a really important aspect of, everyone's healing journey because, you know, our shame is really able to continue to exist when we're doing all this work personally. Um, like even if we're kind of touching on a lot of our shadow in therapy, for example, if we're still like really private about the way we go about that and, you know, we're only sharing these things with somebody who, you know, we're paying, um, we are still allowed to hold on to the shame that a lot of this shadow is kind of uh, wrapped up in, um, because that shame story says like, if somebody else, if my community knows about this, I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to become an outcast. And so when we can work in a group, like, and start to tap into our shadow in a group in front of others, whether it's friends and family or complete strangers and bring these things up and bring them out and not be rejected, but rather be like further held and brought further into the group. Um, all of that shame dissolves. So it's a really powerful antidote to to shame, which I think is um, kind of tied up in so many of our blocks. So it's it's important yeah. to work with that. And then, um, yeah, there's just, you can also like the same way, you know, with kind of working in relationships too, but um, so many of our triggers in groups and so many of our judgments of others and like projections um, really lead us to exactly what we need to work on and exactly where our work is and exactly what's ready to come up and be healed. Um, so I've personally felt that medicine so many times where, you know, I've been in a breathwork group or something and someone's really annoying me. Right. And I get to be like, fuck this person. They're taking up too much space. Like they're being annoying, whatever. And I'll go through that. I'll have my like judgmental phase, but then eventually I'm like, oh, this is because this is what's about to come up. And this person is like helping me to get to this core wound that I have that needs some love right now. Um, so that's always how groups work in my experience. And um, it's just really beautiful to participate in as somebody breathing. And then now as a facilitator, it's been really um, fun to kind of play into that magic and share that with others. Yeah, I love I love all of those points that you made about groups because I think it's really important. Um, 
when we heal in community, I've found that it can really supercharge your individual work mm-hmm. because we have a way of healing each other. Um, in one of our teachers talks about using everything, taking everything and making it for our use, um, Melanosome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think that that's really important in group reference sessions, and it's for both sides of the spectrum. So, like analyzing the trigger, like the person that's really triggering you. Um, I, I think that in in person sessions, um, it's you're not protected from the sounds that other people are making. Um, I mean, of course it's like, well, I don't know. I'm not even going to say that. Sometimes it's crazy. Like sometimes people are like yelling and screaming and like singing and it can be, it can feel distracting because we're more used to a very sterile, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're going into a massage, you think that it's going to be relaxing and like the music yeah. is going to be calming and it's just going to be mm-hmm. you and all this different stuff. And like, there's a time and a place for that, but a breathwork group is not that like your, um, mm-hmm. there are other people in that room and in that space. And I've had experiences where, um, yeah, you're like, activated by someone being too loud or being like too distracting and taking you away from away from your experience in quotes Mm -hmm. and then you realize like oh but like this is still my experience like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm you know putting all of this energy towards this other person and getting so like resentful and Mm -hmm. upset and all this different Mm -hmm. stuff but this is what's happening within me it like doesn't really have to do with them and yeah. so what's, what is it in me that's bringing that forward? And mm-hmm. you have to confront and analyze that. Um, but I've also had the other spectrum of the experience of like, or been this person of literally in your first breath, like the breath work hasn't started and you're already sobbing, crying. Like you hear someone mm-hmm. that's sobbing, crying. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, like that person's really having a tough time. Yeah. And they're sobbing, crying, inconsolable, can't stop crying. Then you start thinking about like, it could start with like, oh, I really feel for that person. I empathize. I don't know what they're going through, mm-hmm. what they're experiencing, but I'm glad that they're getting it out now. And then you mm-hmm. start to be confronted with like your own feelings of, of pain yeah. or sadness. Or sometimes it's co- the contrast to that, like the contrast of this of that energy is like, um, you're experiencing joy in contrast Mm -hmm. to the pain. And that's the medicine that the space needs or, and so I think that like in these group experiences, I think it's definitely true that, um, sometimes they're discounted as like a lesser to a private experience. And it, is not necessarily that way. Um, I think that mm-hmm. they can be just as healing. Most of my um, experiences with breath work have been group experiences. They haven't been private. And they've been really beautiful healing experiences. And the accessibility mm-hmm. to them um, was more helpful to me. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like, 
what you were saying about therapy, it's really interesting because um, I consider myself generally to be a pretty open book, but you won't know what really is a shadow until you actually have to yeah. say it mm-hmm. and like bring it forward and actually like talk about mm-hmm. it. And there have been mm-hmm. times where I've been really surprised by like, you know, in my own head being like, oh yeah, like I'm done with this. I'm over this. Like I could talk about this to anyone. And (laughs) then you're like in a space and you're starting to talk about this thing and like emotions come Mm -hmm. forward or like you get like, it gets caught in your throat or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the importance of like healing through those some of those things in layers. And sometimes the first layer is sharing it with the therapist and sharing it with one other person Mm -hmm. um, or a trusted friend or whatever it is. And then the second layer can be sharing it within community um, Mm -hmm. and kind of like, uh, yeah, like dissolving the shame in that space uh, to use your words, which I think that's definitely what happens. The shame can evaporate in that space And Mm -hmm. being practiced in that allows you to potentially take it to the next layer if that's what's important for your healing. Um, So, yeah, I love that. And um, I guess as we start to, like, bring things to a close, um, what are – I love asking people this question. I haven't been asking all my guests, but, like, um, what are like baby, um, self-care practices that you do? Like something that's like maybe five minutes or like, very easy and mm-hmm. accessible. And then, um, what is maybe like a larger self-care practice, a more investment self-care practice that you enjoy? Hmm. Um, so for the baby one, yeah. um, and, you know, to answer that, it's not always necessarily shorter, but just something that's really always accessible yeah. for me, honestly, is cleaning my house. <laughs> um, it's just, and my boyfriend who I live with might disagree, but it's just something that, um, it's just something that, um, really helps me kind of get out of, uh, any kind of stuckness that I'm feeling is to, um, clean up my space. And it's also really meditative. I find, you know, like it really helps me kind of relax and maybe work through something that's kind of been nagging me. So when I'm feeling kind of anxious or I'm feeling a little like dark or unmotivated, something that I really enjoy doing is cleaning. Um, because it's also kind of, there's a lot of permission in it for me because it doesn't feel like procrastination, um, because it is like ultimately a really helpful, productive thing. Um, but I don't have to necessarily tackle everything. Um, so that's something, and I, I, you know, I, I've shared this before and it doesn't resonate with everyone, but that's something that really helps me a lot. And, um, yeah, (laughs) so I love to clean, um, when I'm in the mood to, and then a larger one, I would say, A larger one is just about like, for me, I mean, we didn't really get into like my specifics of my healing journey and kind of what I was working with and where I came from, but so much of it is about like permission 
um, because there was so much I just didn't feel like I had permission to do um, throughout adolescence and even like um, past that. Um, I didn't feel like I had permission to take up space and be myself and (laughs) explore things that I wanted to explore and even, um, you know, uh, be alone, like lots of different kinds of things that I, throughout my healing journey began to kind of interrogate and say like, well, can we create a, a new story around this? And so, um, a larger, like a practice that I kind of do is like, always cultivate that. And when I start to hit against something where that feeling is kind of coming back in of like, Oh, well, like, should you really be doing this right now? Like, what is someone going to think if like, this is what you're doing with your time or, you know, whatever it is, I really like know that that's exactly where my work is. And that's where I can kind of make the biggest leaps and bounds in my healing journey. If I can confront it and kind of reclaim that permission. Um, and this is extends to like how I run my business and how I work as well. Um, and yeah, I can't really give specifics on like the practice that I use to do that, but it's mostly kind of a mental thing and like a, also an embodied thing of, um, you know, how can I really feel calm in being in these spaces where that, that kind of old belief of feeling like I don't have permission to be doing what I'm doing how can I kind of mother myself and reparent and create that permission um, in a really embodied way, not just like by telling myself that I have permission. So um, yeah, I love doing things that feel like they're not allowed. So like, you know, hanging out in the middle of the day, taking naps or like eating a weird snack, or something <laughs> like that. That's something that's um, been really helpful because, you know, then just more and more of how I'm acting and how things are kind of coming through me is integrated and authentic, you know, and not from this place of like should, and from this place of, um, I don't know, the rules of this authority that's kind of governing me, but not actually me. So the more that I can disengage from that, the more that like everything is coming from a true place. So the way that I facilitate sessions and the way that I work with people and the way that I, prepare myself to do that. And then also the way that I just kind of interact with my friends and in my space and all of that. So I hope that's a good answer. (laughs) No, I, I love that because I think that that is so important to do, like to really like do the work with each of our own like personal. Oh, and can I, sorry, can I just add one more? Like, because I was thinking about it because this is also something that like with self-care and with wellness in general becomes like a challenge for me. And I think for a lot of people where it's like, okay, so I found this amazing tool. So now I have to do it for like 30 minutes every day. You know, like I have to wake up and journal or I have to wake up and do breath work or I have to go for a walk or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. And I've really, um, I, I know that discipline can be helpful and there's a role of discipline and kind of commitment to cultivating practices and and space with yourself in that way. But I'm really in a place right now where I'm um, not allowing these tools that are supposed to be for me to become like prisons, you know? Um, So that's, that's kind of the way that it it fits into the self-care thing. And I love to say that to my clients too, because so many people are asking me like, okay, so should I be doing this? I'm all, I've only been doing it a little bit. Like I have to do it five minutes a day or, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Or what is my, 
morning routine supposed to look like? And, you know, I, I just always think that uh, we run into trouble when, when we start to be forcing things like that and feeling like, you know, there's somebody to answer to. Um, so I like to give myself permission to use these tools fully as tools and just like for me when I need them and not as, you know, something that I, I need to accomplish or I need to get done because something bad's going to happen if I don't. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to note because, and that's something that I've been working with personally is just like how sometimes we can get wrapped up into that perfection of a routine of like, or like the ambition of like, if I'm going to do like breath work, I'm going to do the most perfect breath work every day. And like, you and it's like, sometimes that's not what is happening today, or that's not actually what would light you up the most is like, but sometimes it is like, sometimes I, yesterday, you know, had a big meditation day where I was like doing multiple meditations. That's not every day. Cause I, I don't, do that every day or I don't have the like time or space for every day. Sometimes I would prefer to do a take a long walk with my family or go on a hike or whatever. But it's like if your if your um self-care practice is blocking you from being able to enjoy what presents itself to you each day to respond to respond to, then um yeah, it, that's something to investigate for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So where can people find you? What do you have going on um, that people should know about? Yeah, all the good awesome. things. So you can find me uh, on my website, which is coravbreathwork.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at, at coravoss. That's V-A-S-S. I host a lot of virtual breathwork groups. Um, Maybe you'll see Brenna at one of them. She comes sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right now I'm doing them Tuesday evenings and you can uh, sign up for those on my website and also find information about booking private sessions with me. If you are in LA, I do lots of um, in-person stuff in LA that I will always post about and uh, email my mailing list about. So if you are interested in that, then definitely follow me on Instagram or sign up for my mailing list on my website um, to get updates about all of that. Yes, I love it. And we'll link everything in the show notes so that it's easily accessible for all of you. Thank you so much, Cora. This is so wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad this was like a fun way for us to kind of catch up and and chat too. So thank you. I love it. (laughs) All right, everyone. I will see you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of the For Your Healing Pleasure podcast. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms as well as watch the video on YouTube. To keep up with this podcast, please subscribe. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. I really appreciate it. To keep up with Spiritum Meditation and this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiritum Meditation. If you would like to book a session with me, you can do so at SpiritumMeditation.com.